Welcome to a very special Marketing O-Talk with a very special guest. You may have heard of him, Barry Schwartz. Thanks for having me. I see him on your laptop also. Yes. Thank you for allowing your name, image, and likeness. Uh, we had some <laughs> stickers. They Actually, people were really in demand of these things. Hmm. And everybody asked for these stickers, and then nobody actually shared any pictures of them. So sometimes your merch drops <laughs> don't go as planned. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it sounds very SEO-y to like ask for stuff and not... Uh, did you see anybody sharing like your face on their computer? Not this specific one, but people do send me weird stuff yeah. often. Usually, usually like all the PPC stickers we do are like just huge hits. Interesting. But SEOs... Yeah, SEOs yeah. are weird. Well, Sometimes. you said that. I did. SEOs are weird from Barry Schwartz. But honestly, I think if anybody's listening to you... This is, first off, this is not going to be like any other interview, interview you've done. I promise you that. Um and most people, if you don't know, you can listen to any other interview and, and hear your full backstory. But I want to know, you are self-proclaimed not an SEO. SEO is your hobby, correct? Am I putting any words in your mouth there? No. So why do you think you're so drawn to SEO and the SEO community, knowing that you don't provide SEO services? It's not your full-time job, which is, you know, development. That's a good question. So... I'm lucky in that my business, you know, supports me financially the way I need it to be supported. I have people in place that really are able to do what they do and they do a great job. To be fair, I do wake up at 5 a.m. and do this well before the normal business hours. But, you know, I'm here today throughout, you know, yesterday and today and I'm able to do this because I have a great team. So they handle all the more important stuff and then I'm able to like do my hobby more often. So people like playing golf, people like, going swimming people like to listen to music i don't like any of the normal stuff <laughs> i like seo and i'm fortunate enough to be able to write about it and talk about it and follow it without having any financial incentive or bias associated with it which i think makes it a little bit better for people they don't have to worry that i'm saying something because it might benefit me to say it i, I completely agree when we talk to people we have to say i it sounds like i would say this because i'm trying to sell you something but I'm not like, you don't have to say that. So, um, does that help? Do you find when you're dealing with clients or, or different folks out there and they're asking for something? Yeah. I mean, it helps me on both fronts, meaning Google doesn't think I have any biases and they could tell me stuff maybe like an hour before they announced it sometimes. So I get a scoop. Um, at the same time, SEOs also don't think I'm like trying to like, I mean, the example I give a lot around this is like when Google came out with their widget link protocol and saying widget links are against their guidelines, yada, yada. And then you have all these other blogs coming out that you from SEO companies that have done link building using widget links and saying, well, maybe Google says this type of link widget, this link in a widget is bad, but these types of links and these types of widgets are okay. And they try to like skew it to their mm. own benefit because they're making money doing this. So um, I get why they do it. And if they're making money doing it, they don't want to say something that might hurt their business. But I don't have really any of that bias. And I think it helps because I could just write the way I feel um, without any of those financial biases. Yeah, one of my favorite widget bait, just as a tangent, Matt Inman's post over on SEO Moz back in the day, I think it was called Widget Bait Gone Wild. Okay. That was fascinating. It was like the height of widget bait. And he, I think, what was it, Mingle 2 or something? He had this dating site and was the absolute king of widgets. And then, like, everything... I remember the SEO conference right after that, it was like people were like devastated because it was just so easy to use these yeah. things and get some nice links. And I know that you and your brother were in high school when you first started Rusty Brick. You were basically building things for people, correct? Yep. 
And then you were keeping track of changes on like Alta Vista and all these different search engines and Search Engine Roundtable was born. Search Engine Roundtable was born, I probably was like a lurker in the SEO forums for about a year. Um, then I started to like participate a little bit and really start to understand stuff. And then I went to my first conference SCS Chicago, I forgot what year, maybe 2002, 2003. And I'm like, I'm going to start the blog at the conference to cover what people were doing, live blogging before anybody really did live blogging. Um, and I started meeting people that way. And I really kind of, the premise was around basically keeping a journal of what people are saying in the community so that people don't have to like scour through the forums or if they miss a conference, they won't miss something big. Nice. A question. Have you ever contemplated selling SEO services? I did. Um, and then I didn't. And we heard some of the pros of not doing that. What eventually like led you that route? To not? Yes. I find it something hard to sell. So I think when somebody hires an SEO company, they are hiring them with the intent of driving more traffic and more leads and conversions and higher rankings generally to their website. The problem is you don't control, you can do everything perfect in accordance to whatever the best SEO methods are out there. And Google could then flip the switch one day and all that could be gone. So it's hard to, in my opinion, to sell something that you can't 100% deliver on. When we build software, it's something that we could deliver on. We could, here's the spec, we'll build it. We'll make it better than the spec or whatever it might be. But when it, uh, even with PPC, like you could control most of that for the most part. Um, but with SEO, you really can't control it. And I have a hard time selling something that you really can't control, even if you're the best SEO in the world. Many of the best SEOs have, you know, had been penalized or so their rankings drop. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, my business is doing well the way it is. And I have this whole thing where I'm able to write stuff without the bias around it. So I figured just stay that, stay that way. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I always know you never did that, but never really heard the backstory behind it. You've really kind of stood out to me and inspired me early on and a lot of other folks in the community. I will lovingly say this, that I'd say that your writing is progress over perfection in a way. Did you ever see yourself becoming a journalist? No, never. If you would tell my high school English teacher or even my professor in English classes in college that I would do writing and people would be reading it, they would probably laugh. I mean, it's gotten better over the years in terms of my typos and grammar mistakes, but it's still pretty bad. I, sometimes I'll look back at what I wrote the, you know, a day or two later. Sometimes. I rarely look at anything I write. I'll publish it and not look back. But if I ever have the reason to look back because somebody told me there was a mistake with a link or something, I'll look and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. Sometimes a conversation I'm having on the phone while I'm typing gets into the blog post, has nothing to do <laughs> with the blog post. And I'm like, I, I just, I'm like talking to somebody while I'm typing like a story and I don't know how I do both. And sometimes it just gets in there and it shouldn't be there. And sometimes it's just poor mis mistakes, like stupid, like spelling mistakes or I'm writing one word, but I really meant to write the different word. I don't know how that happens, but I write so fast that it is like it's low quality, uh, low value content. It is not. <laughs> it's high, high value from the insights that you have in your brain. But I would say that really helped me get some confidence to write for Search Engine Land. So a person who can't write shows that they can't write and they and they go, I can't write. I, I was the same around. exact person. No, I, I was the worst writer in my family. And my mother was a teacher. She in a million years would never think that I could write for like a publication yeah. or something like that. And then, you know, here I am doing that, which is pretty cool. And so what would you say to people out there listening right now that are afraid or don't think they're the best writers? Like, what would you tell them? Go out of your comfort zone on everything. I'm not a people person. People say they're antisocial. They'd rather be alone in a dark room by themselves. I'm that type of person. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to a conference. It makes me uncomfortable. I'll do it. The first time I've spoken with anybody uh, uh, on a stage I'm in, at a conference 
was at a pub con in a super session with 5,000 people watching you. Now I speak pretty well. I mean, I, people say I talk too fast, I mumble, but I'm comfortable. I never did any training. I probably should have done training on, on talking. But I say do whatever you can to be out of your comfort zone. If you don't think you're a good writer, write. You'll get better. Anything you do over and over again, you'll just get better at it. And then people will tell you how bad you are and you'll improve yourself. So you listening out there with that dot in your head, so many reasons not to do it, you don't have an excuse. Barry just told you to do it. I never say you can't. You can't stand when people say, I can't. You could do something. You could Google it. You can't do heart surgery. can't do brain surgery. Just Google them. I'm sure somebody's doing brain surgery on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not going to co-sign that one, we'll say. Jump ahead to a different question. So I know that when people interview you, most people probably say like, oh, how can you do what you do? So as a seasoned journalist myself, I'm not going to ask you that. Instead, I'm going to, I know you're a humble guy, but let's put that aside. Why do you think that people think they can't do what you do? Because um, people have hobbies and like to not work. This is what I enjoy doing. So for me, it's something that I look forward to. Whereas they find it to be a job and people who mm. like that's their nine to five. They look at the hours they have in the day and they say, my job, my nine to five is filled with this, this and this. I don't have time to do it in that time frame. But if you love something and you love doing something, you'll just do it whenever something pops up. Like I could be on a, a client call with my, my real work, which I absolutely love as well. And something could be breaking on, on a Google story and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to write this while I'm on the call. <laughs> And because I have a good team behind me, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I'll be driving up to, you know, Buffalo and I'll have to stop on the way and pull over and, you know, block and doing the backseat of the car. People are like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, it has to get done. So just do it. You really have to love what you're doing. Right. Or feel there's a responsibility. Like now it feels more of a little bit of, a, I love it, but there's also this responsibility. Like if I don't cover something within five minutes that Google announced, people are like, Barry, what's wrong with you? Like, why haven't you covered it yet? So there's that responsibility of having to do it. But at the same time, I enjoy it. I like breaking this stuff fast and writing about it with lots of typos. I think that to me, you're obviously like a true unicorn SEO. I'd say that, that Danny Sullivan was as well in the, in the journalistic space. And I know that whenever I hear you talk or you're talking about something or what you're amplifying is that you really kind of just, your, your stance is that you appreciate people putting out content and trying to help. Is that accurate? 100%, yeah. Do you think that the majority of the SEO space specifically thinks in that format that you do? Before they write something? Do they? Do you think that people, when they see content coming out, that they are appreciative of that? I, I don't know. I feel like you have a very different attitude. I guess most SEOs or search marketers who are Googling something to get an answer, they'll probably read it. Do they appreciate somebody wrote it? Do they think, oh, thank you for writing it? Truth is probably not. It's interesting because I, I met somebody a while ago who says, oh, I read this great publication. It's this, this, and they talk about this, this, and that. I'm like, yeah, right there. It's like, yeah, I don't really know who the writer is. I just read it and it's great, but I don't know who the people are. So I don't know if they appreciate the person or the content. Like, is this something I'm saying? They don't listen yeah. to appreciate me for writing it. They appreciate that it's there. Maybe I didn't phrase that the right way, but I feel like, like again, when somebody puts something out, you're like, your attitude and, and from what you've, you've talked about before, and I think you mentioned on the Zeme Digital Podcast, is just like, you're all for it for people trying to help. And I feel like when I talk to to the younger folks and we have a lot of uh, people that are kind of like growing in the space here at our company, that a lot of times they're nervous that people are going to be brutal in the industry, like on Twitter, and they're going to roast things and that there's a lot of, of negativity here. But I feel like that's not that's not who you are. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of negativity on socials, Twitter, especially on YouTube, I'm sure. People are pretty nasty, but you can't let that get to you. People should be, obviously, people say this all the time, just focus around the positivity of what you do and 
not look at the negativity. I kind of enjoy the negativity because I'm weird. <laughs> but I think, I think again, I think that shouldn't make you shy away from it or sharing something. People are going to make mistakes. I've said stuff that was crazy just the other week, two weeks ago. I get a com a email or a private comment from somebody that watches my video every week and comments all the time and says, I was so insulted by you. I'm, I can't believe you did this to me. And I can't believe you responded this way. And I look back, he deleted his tweets, but he tweeted at me asking me if something is new or something that he spotted as new sharing a screenshot. And I said, I don't know. It could be question mark. But I, and then I wrote, I believe you, uh, you know, I, I trust you. And he took, he took that to mean that I was being sarcastic and making fun of him. I'm like, no, I just meant like, I don't know if it's, I really didn't know if it was real or if it was new. And he just took it the wrong way. So I'm like, now I'm thinking like when I respond to people, is this comment going to be taken the wrong way? I don't have time for that necessarily, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't mean it at all. And people can always misconstrue what you say and take that as, as being mean. And I think we've seen John Mueller do that. You've seen mm -hmm. myself do that. People like will then take that and say, you meant this or you meant that. And you really weren't even thinking that in a mean way. That's the concern, I guess. And you're doing a billion different things at the same time. You're trying right. to you know, respond to somebody. I right. totally get that. So your company, Rusty Brick, mainly a software company. And I just want to say that I've, utilize and have been a user of Rusty Budget in the past, which is sort of like a publishing tool, like a scheduler. What's the favorite thing you've ever built? Um, for me, the thing that I use the most, I use Rusty Budget a lot. I'm huge. I mean, that's how I keep track of stuff, but mm -hmm. nobody else uses it. It's just me, only me. You used The team used to use it, but now there's a new team there. Um, and we use Slack mostly. Um, but personally, what I use the most um, that I've built is probably one of our Jewish mobile apps, a sitter or prayer book. Nice. Um, so I pray with that multiple times a day, find stuff with it. So it's useful for me outside of what I think is like some of the best stuff that I personally use that I didn't build uh, for what I do is Feedly, formerly Google Reader. Can't believe they got rid of that. Um, but I'm a big fan of Feedly. I know that also you take a lot of pride in just reporting the news, being unbiased and having no takes. I feel like this is like the exact polar opposite of me. <laughs> like, do you ever find yourself having a take and like stifling it and not putting out like what you really think about a change? I really have no emotional reaction to anything ever. And it bugs my wife. It bugs people that I know that I don't react to stuff. And she hates when I say this, so hopefully she won't listen to this. But basically, it's she probably won't listen to this. So I'm not worried about it. But I, I really have no reaction or emotion about anything. It's like I'm a complete void. And I think I blame the SEO community for doing that to me <laughs> because the amount of uh, – no, I'm just joking. Just um, abused for 10 abused. years on Twitter. So I really am. I'm numb to everything. So when Google like announces something, I see the pros and cons to it. I'll write why, you know, what, how it could be helpful or how it's a pain in the neck. Um and it's funny because like Rand Fishkin is like one of the biggest critics of my writing because, you know, he writes really long stuff. Oh, yeah. He's great. Research. He's a great writer. And he puts a lot of emotion into it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I will write stuff because I'm pushed to into write why it really like a deeper thing on that. So maybe around, I don't know, he, he will like praise me when I write something really long and detail showing like some level of emotion, but it's not my style. Mm -hmm. One is I don't have time for it. It just takes too much time. And it's like needed too, just having the news and not, and yeah. I see people criticizing you like, oh, you, you didn't say this. You're just, you know, I get that. And I feel like you're in a good spot where half the people think you're too pro Google, half the people think you're too un-Google. <laughs> yeah. All the know? Googlers think I hate them yeah. and all the SEOs <laughs> think I love Google. So I just, out of curiosity, 
remember when the switch was made, I was in Rochester listening to Webmaster Radio from the Search Engine Watch and Search Engine Strategy Days to when it was announced. I ble- I forget what show was it. Chicago? No, it was. It might not have been Chicago, but I remember I was listening to Jim Hedger and somebody talking about it was a big announcement when everything switched. Yeah. And you went to SMX and Search Engine Land created that on your own with Danny. Um, so can you tell me what that was like or what you remember from your point of view? What was that like? Okay, so I joined Danny and Chris Sherman when when um, um, Gary Price left, him, left that company um, to work at Ask Jeeves, which obviously wasn't a great move because then Barry Diller bought them and killed the whole thing. Anyway, so I joined and then um, a couple of years later, I forgot how long it was, um, Danny's like, I kind of got in an argument or not, they, they didn't come, come to terms with when they sold the company to another company and he was like, I'm just not happy and I'm going to start a new one who wants to come with me. I don't, I understand if any of you don't want to come, I totally understand it, but if you want to come, you're more than welcome. Me, uh, Greg and myself, Greg Sterling and myself, we're like, no, it's a no-brainer. We're, we're, we have money coming from other sources. We don't have to care about our salaries from the, the peanuts we got paid anyway from doing that writing. And then we're, we're just like, yeah, we're with you no matter what. So was it like Jerry Maguire moment where he's like, who's coming with me? And you guys just all stand up? For Greg and myself, it was because we had other sources of income. So it wasn't like we're dropping everything, losing mm-hmm. our paycheck and right. going to that. It was just like we did this because it was fun. It was yeah. We didn't do this for like, it was a hobby. It was fun. So we like, it's a no-brainer. We're coming. I think I first... I don't. I think it was first myself and Chris Sherman and Danny. I think that was. I'm not sure who else came along right away. And then Greg's like, "I want to come too." And we're like, "Oh, great!" Some people stayed because contractually they had to stay for a while. And then some people said, "You know, I need a paycheck. I'm going to stay for a while." Mm-hmm. And then eventually, a lot of them came over anyway to Search Engine Land. It was fun. It was fun starting a brand new site from scratch and making it the authority in a short period of time. Real quick. Yeah, and obviously Danny is the authority. Whatever he writes is gold, um, and now whatever he writes is just sold out content. I'm <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I'm just joking. No, yeah, I, I miss Danny. I miss Danny's Danny's writing. Like he yeah. he really hit that. You know, we talk about the whimsical, emotional yes. stuff, and but did it in such a fair way, and it was literally the funniest person. And he wrote it fast. He wrote it so fast. There was typos everywhere, and he cleaned it up later. But he was able to like Google announce something. He gave like the searcher perspective, the SEO perspective. He took his time. He did it really thoroughly. Yeah. And we're and sadly the community lost that. And mm-hmm. people came to me, looked at me to replace that. And I'm I'm not. It's not my style. Yeah. I'm just going to report the news as dry and boring as possible, and you could do whatever you want with it. But we are at a loss, and nobody stepped. Nobody really could step up for that. And hopefully one day somebody will. Yeah. And and almost just, similar in the PPC side too, with Ginny heading over. I feel like she at least would give. When she'd write, recover things, there'd be enough. You could really tell what she was thinking in there, and then, but she was really fair and everything. And like, I'm obviously I'm not fair. I'm I'm a lunatic when we have our shows, <laughs> but like I feel like you know those are two two voices that that are missed for sure. Yeah, who do you think would it would be that could? Step I think up? you could step up for Jenny. No, for SEO. For SEO, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody has really. I don't know if we need it necessarily, and maybe we do. It's fun to read. Hmm. Um. It's hard. It's uh, it's not me. I just don't have time. So. And so then everything there, pretty smooth sailing, quick SEL, jumped up at Search Engine Watch, and SES kind of went away, and um, SMX is, uh, you know, kind of became the, the go-to conference there. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I remember, like, early days, it was a little bit more of a struggle because of the finances and stuff, I think. I wasn't involved so much in the financial yeah. sides, but they were throwing these big conferences, and it cost a lot to throw them, and 
the attendance was really growing nicely. Obviously, Google loved Danny and they supported. I think Matt Cutts came to all the conferences mm-hmm. and stuff like that early on. So it was all it was all very good stuff, and it was great. I mean, the team early days was just it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And off the top of your head, what was one of your most favorite or most memorable um, times or events within one of the SMX shows itself? Is there anything that you're thinking back really stands out? Like, oh, that was a really great time. The thing that stands out the most is when I knew that it was Danny's last XMX conference because he told us ahead of time that he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And giving watching him do his last, you know, last sessions that he was so good at in terms of like ask the SEOs, ask the ask the Googlers and stuff like that. Seeing that and seeing that nobody else realized that he was going away, that was like stood out to me of like mm-hmm. it's the end of an era. Like the way he spoke on stage and stuff like that, it was like, who's gonna do that going forward? You can't replace that. No, I, I we haven't. And then COVID hit, and we don't really we haven't really had any yeah. in person sessions. So I, yeah, I mean. It was interesting. I think, you know, we, we tried different things, but that was probably the most memorable. People sitting here enjoying this conference, enjoying Danny on stage, they're not going to get that. Yeah. I, one of my most memorable um, shows was, I think it might have been like 2008 SMX Advanced in Seattle in that weird kind of room. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it was one where there was like that rant that somebody recorded of Danny. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that where he's just going off and somebody's recorded the rant. And there was well, like he goes off. That's, he has his yeah, rant. So. It, but it was like one of the most epic ones, I feel like. And I was just was like sitting there in awe. And I feel like like I'm, you know, modeled a lot of kind of like what we try to do. Like it was just such a, it, such an, like a way to, I was just like enthralled with what right. he was saying. You Your know? rants are similar to that. So if you I look feel at like me, I just copied them. <laughs> you know, best type of flattery. And it's interesting. He used to do these email response rants also. So if we get like some like weird spammy, <laughs> yeah. remember those? And he yeah. used to re- reply all with some like, like, Danny, how do you have time to respond to this spammer? Like, he's not going to even read it anyway. He's like, ah, he, like he's a ranter. He's like, yeah. for me, I just hit delete. So I don't know. Like, First off, no, we're not Google. <laughs> Second off, no, SEO isn't your problem. Right. What your problem really is, is X, right. Y, and Z. Third off, it's, it's great. So definitely miss, miss Danny on that. Last main question here for you. I obviously love Azeem. And in the Azeem Digital Podcast you were on last year, you had given the advice to build something that you're really proud of. And then to look back and really take that in. So what do you think? As you look back on the work that you've done here in the industry for the last 20 years. I hope it's helped people. I hope people, you know, have been able to grow their careers with the content. It's easier when it comes to the conferences and doing these video interviews with people because they'll I'll hear immediately within like two years from people saying, because you got me on at this conference or because you helped me write this or because you got me to help you know, write a search engine land or because you you interviewed me on the on the search and roundtable vlog i was able to find a new job that paid me a lot more that able to help help me support my families better that's probably the most meaningful thing that i make an impact on people's careers mm-hmm. that trickle down to helping them with their families so i think that is the most important thing to it and have i done that i think for some people and some people have told me, I'm sure I've done it for people who haven't told me. I'm sure I've hurt people's jobs as well at the same time because of I may have said things that may have hurt companies or reported something that may have hurt um, their business strategies and stuff like that. So for everything that I've maybe done that was good, I've probably done some stuff that was bad. And I try not to get too bogged down about like thinking about that because that can make probably somebody crazy. Yeah, well, let me uh, give you a little uh, news flash here. If you've got that pendulum of good versus bad, you are all the way good with what you've done to the community. So everybody I know really appreciate. And then you you even have profiles of people in the space. It's like, 
that was un- unbelievable. Oh, yeah, that was because we were going through a tough time in the community, and mm-hmm. people, and some have you know passed away for you know stressful reasons. And I figured people just need to be told that they matter. And often we just take people for granted. I don't need to be told that. I I don't care. Some people. <laughs> need to be before it's too late just tell people you know somebody helped you or they help you in the future just mention them on twitter or on a social or email them and say thank you for whatever because it means a lot to to those people you never know if it's going to be you know too late for you to tell them absolutely i've got a segment here <clears throat> called embarrassing story time and i've got an embarrassing story for you okay it was smx social i think it was 2008 i don't know it was the new york city one where it was like up there we talked about it on your show um, like Neil Patel was there, okay. Chris Winfield, Brent Storrs, all that. I was fairly new to the industry, been doing it for a while, but not really going to events. I sat next to you at lunch and I was too embarrassed to talk to you. And you sat down eating your lunch and I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's going to tell me like, get out of here. But you're like the nicest person in the world. And I still didn't have enough like courage to talk to you, but you were like super nice. And I was like, oh, you know what? People are really nice. I represent just people. If you didn't talk to me, how do you know I was nice? Because you were just very, you were very courteous. You? you were just talking to people there and saying, hey, you're doing some stuff, but you're just like the nicest dude. I get that a lot of people are afraid to come over to me for some reason. And I kind of give off that, in, even like in, outside of the search world, people get that per, from me uh, because I just, I'm just focused on like what I'm doing. Somebody just messaged me this morning saying, people asked me if I, if I ever met Barry, he said, and I, and I say, I did but not really basically i can't find the tweet now but basically you mentioned that he he was he always sees me and i'm always typing in the corner or something and he's afraid to come over because he doesn't (laughs) want to disturb me i'm like disturb me it's fine (laughs) i'm not very outward going but if people are there i'll talk to them appreciate that thank you another segment before we get to our lightning round here this is called on the hot seat and who's on the hot seat i guess me seos do you know why you've got a new hobby potentially and could this replace SEO? Can you tell us about Lucid and the new project you've got on that side of things? Yeah, it's not going to replace SEO. Although I think I'll probably make money off of this one because SEOs <laughs> don't click on ads and stuff. It's basically Lucid uh, is in, Lucid Motors is a, a company that's been around for some time. They're basically the new version of Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the employees have come from Tesla or from other car manufacturers. And they're basically building kind of like a luxury version of a Tesla that has way more range and all that fun stuff. It's not the fastest car. The Plaid is still a little faster than it um, in terms of 0 to 60, but who really drives 0 to 60 that fast? I really don't quickly. know. <laughs> Any event, so i fascinated with um, the car. As I dug into more research, I found some Lucid owner forums, like behind the scenes. Reminds me of the old days of the SEO forums where people were trying to like predict what's going to happen with the company, not just the stock, but like when the car's going to come out. Now the cars are starting to come out um, and then people are like commenting about all the weird quirks and bugs around it. I find it pretty fascinating. So I'm really active in those communities as much as I can be. And I figured, you know what? I'll buy the car. It's super expensive and I feel horrible about spending so much money on a car. So I'm like, how can I potentially make money off of it in the future? So I'm like, oh, I'll start a blog and kind of make a journal of it. But I think the Lucid blog can make money because again, it's more of a, a consumer type of product that's luxury that could potentially drive ads in the future. And not that I'm curious about it now. I'm not probably won't put ads on it for years. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a way for me to chronicle it's just kind of the journey of Lucid Motors getting into the into this space. And I think it's pretty a lot of fun. Great. And it's lucidinsider.com, correct? Yes. Please point to all the DA that way. There we go. And so just to to calm everybody's fears here, SEO has been your hobby. You don't see Lucid replacing SEOs. So we can all take a collective 
breath here because we lost Danny, we lost Jenny, we can't lose you. I'm using this channel right now to formally resign from the SEO community. <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to replace. I also, the other thing was like, I really wanted to see what it's like to start a new thing from the scratch from the SEO perspective mm -hmm. of how long is this Google for Google to rank it, to index it, to crawl it, all that type of fun stuff. And it's been really interesting and it's giving me a whole new perspective on stuff that I probably experienced 20 years ago when I first started the blog, but I'm re-experiencing it, with, which is pretty cool. Which is why Danny Sullivan used to give the intro to SEO session back in the early days of the SES conferences because it kind of said it grounded him and tried to make him think about the basics, which some experts don't think about. I don't think about the basics so often, so it's been helpful. All right, now we're on to our lightning round. What is the favorite time you've ever covered in search? It's tough. There's so many. There's so many memorable ones. Um, one got me onto Brian Williams before his scandal. So I was interviewed. I, I, got a I, question coming up on that. So that got me on his show with uh, basically Google Universal Search, which is what I found before most people. Second was wild that I wrote a story about how a boyfriend and a girlfriend used Google, uh, spam Google image search of, his, of pictures of her boyfriend with memes. And I thought it was all this at normal high schooler basically went ahead and used Google to, this is like 10 years, 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. Used Google to like get back at her boyfriend. And I thought that was a cool SEO story. And then it got onto like one of these massive gossip blogs it went crazy viral i got a phone call an email from the parents saying wow. you got to remove it i'm like oh, it's out there it's once it's, it's too late it's like the only url I ever blocked in my robots.txt file so you want to check it out just go to uh, com slash robots.txt but there's so many the time frames it's like the early days of spamming and jamming like in the early 2000s then maybe the panda and penguin days which is like wow like seo is changing forever um probably the most interesting times pre Bruno 19, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. How many times have you stopped your drive and pulled over to write a story? Less than 20. Okay. I'm on these channels with you, and you're always like, oh, pull over and knock this out. You're not. It could have been more than 20. I don't, I don't <laughs> remember. It's been so many years, so it's hard to say. Next up, you started and work at Rusty Brick with your twin brother. Your handle on social and your nickname is Rusty Brick? What's his nickname? It's not my nickname. It's just the handle I use. If he had a handle, what would it be? I assume Rusty Brick also. I mean, okay. there's no, there's nothing to it really. We have no nicknames. What so. about oxidized cinder block? That's fine. Mossy that. paver? Sure. Corroded cube? Corroded cube. That's a good one. <laughs> you recently won a marketing o'clock clocksker for SEO file of the year. A huge congratulations on winning what must be the most prodigious award of your lifetime. Question for you. Who is your favorite SEO follow and why is it Glenn Gabe? So you answered the question, I guess. <laughs> um, Glenn Gabe's great. He really, he understands SEO in a deep way that some people might not. It's not like, it's interesting. It's, it's not like a job for, it's his job, but he like, he's like so like devoted to it. Like it's so personal to him. <laughs> um, so he's a great follow. He's a, he's a great follow. In 20. 12, you put out an article called Google's Penguin and Panda Updates Are My Fault? Question mark, And you pulled in a message that came through to your website. The message that you got says, you miserable prick. You continue your Google, we'll say butt looking, as Google boots every one of us from the SERPs. I shall spit on your face next time we meet. Panda and Penguin are designed to hurt non-advertisers and help brands. Did you ever meet that person and did they spit on your face? So that was a pretty common email. Um, <laughs> I don't think, and nobody ever spit on my face. So no, I don't think that I met that person. I've gotten death threats. Like I'm going to come to the conference and shoot you on st while you're on stage. <gasps> yeah, I've gotten th things like that. And I'm like thinking, should I be concerned? I'm like, who in their right mind would actually go in a public conference 
and shoot somebody on stage with all those witnesses. I think that the main thing there is in their right mind. It didn't seem like... Yeah, I don't think any... They would probably be smart about it and maybe shoot me like in an elevator with nobody around or something. But I get it. I get why if it hurts people's businesses, these updates, I'm the deliverer, I'm the messenger on some level. I get they need to take it out on somebody. But I didn't press that button. I agree. Is it true that at one PubCon, you were invited to a Yahoo party at Hugh Hefner Suite? True. Do you want more details or what? I, I, I don't go to parties. And if I have to go to parties, I'm the first one there and the first one out. <laughs> so I took a couple photos. I said thank you to the hosts. I believe I was on a bed with Rand Fishkin and Andrew Goodman. Mm. It was a circular bed that's I've bins. seen those pictures, I believe. And after that, I left. I thanked everybody. And then supposedly it got pretty wild after I left. I, I could imagine that happening. Have you ever read Paradox of Choice? No, but I should. Some <laughs> smart guy, guy. He's like one who ranks... For my name. Well, he's very short. He actually spoke. He gave a, a, a Google talk. And when Danny got his job at Google, he let me do a Google talk. So oh, now nice. there's two Barry Shorters that gave Google talks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In an AMA on Reddit from eight years ago, there was a conversation that you had with a user named Very Cheeky. Do you recall this? No. Very Cheeky said, hi, Barry. How soon do you think everyone will be using Google Glasses or the like? Your answer was isn't everyone wearing them now? I do. Seriously, I cannot see the current Google Glass version being adopted more broadly than by geeks like me. Would you like to apologize, Barry? <laughs> I have two actually in my, in my desk because one broke. So that's awesome you, you, you pulled them out. And lastly, wrapping up here, you've now experienced both. Who is the better interviewer, Brian Williams or myself? There's no choice. You can't compare. <laughs> I mean, you got, you're way above and beyond. I sat with him for like an hour and I got maybe like four seconds of airtime. Of it all. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to Marketing Clock and thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. Like you said, all those little comments add up. And if you don't follow Barry Schwartz on Twitter, obviously do that. Rusty Brick is the, the tag everywhere, the handle everywhere. And subscribe on YouTube. We go really good together. Our show, his show. Um, and you've got also fantastic interviews and it's a lot of up and coming people in the industry. And you can also catch a lot of us here from the show in Cypress North over there as well. Is there anything else you want to say to the audience? Anything, anywhere people can find you? First, of course, thank you and everything you do. You put out some amazing content. You've done so for so many years through money formats from podcasts to, con to written content and so forth. So, and obviously speaking. So thank you for everything you do and your company and your folks here. You do a great job with that. And I guess to follow me, just Twitter's the easiest at Rusty Brick. And that's it. And you can super follow him now at Rusty Brick on Twitter. <laughs> Barry, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me.